Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. Introduce my amazing husband, Pastor Chris. Thank you. Here. I am super blessed. Um, just so you know, 2024 has been prayed over. It's been planned. God knows the steps that he wants us all to take. And the most important thing is that Faith Family Church, the leadership, has been planning on how we can align with God's plan for 2024. How we can grow in 2024. How we can stop just being idle. And I don't think we were idle last year, but let's not get idle when it comes to things concerning God. Let's not become stagnant. Let's not become religious in what we do that we come to church because it's like okay it's been so long i got to get to church because we have some moral cleansing like all right i did my good deed we come to church to be equipped for the work of the ministry we come to church to find out what we've been given in jesus christ we come to church to find out what the word says to be taught by the scripture and the holy spirit what it means to actually be a follower of jesus christ that we're not just people that are religious. We're not just people that are just come together and we're like, oh, well, I accepted Jesus. He's my life, my uh, in life insurance policy. I'm not going to go to hell, but he's not going to be my Lord and Savior. Well, if you study the scriptures, the scripture says Jesus cannot be just your Savior. And he will not be just anybody's Savior. He didn't come to save you like Superman saves people that are in distress. Superman comes, he saves people, and he flies on out. He's like, all right, you good, you do you, I saved you. Jesus didn't come to do that. Jesus came to be your Lord and Savior. He cannot be your Savior unless he's your Lord. He cannot be your Lord unless he's your Savior. It's what he's come to do. And uh, Pastor Mike has asked me if I can do uh, the next four weeks on the book of John. And I am so excited to share with you on the book of John. The book of John, I'm going to just share with you. Uh, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this is just some information for you. No, <clears throat> excuse me, no writer identifies himself in any of the Gospels. We know that Matthew wrote Matthew, Mark wrote Mark, Luke wrote Luke, and John wrote John based on the church history of the apostolic era. That's when the apostles were still alive. Everybody knew Matthew wrote Matthew, Mark wrote Mark, Luke, and John. Now there's some distinctions between the book of John and the rest of the Gospels. You might say, well, what is that? I'm going to tell you. But a little bit about the author of John. John was the brother of James. He, before he became a follower of Christ, and even after he became a follower of Christ, you know, there was about a year of him having to grow and be like Jesus, he had a temper. He was one of the sons of thunder. Him and his brother James were sons of thunders. They were hotheads. How many of you have ever related with losing your temper? Okay, 
John was that guy. He was the guy that you'd have to have a press conference after. Um, he went and Jesus was rejected out of a town. And John was like, burn him. To hell with him. That's what he said. He's like, let fire come down, burn him. And Jesus is like, John, just, just shut up. You know, just please stop. You're, you're not doing, you're, you're against me right now. I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. I didn't come to bring damnation and hellfire. I came to save the world. And what you've just done, that way it's out of the shot. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, what you've just done has messed up the plan. And see, he had this, this temper that was tempered by Christ. Instead of being known throughout the rest of his life as the son of thunder, he was known as the apostle of love. Now, the apostle of love, John, he wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, plus the gospel of John, and over 80 times he writes about love. He writes about truth 25 times in the gospel and 20 times in his epistles. But over 100 times in his writings... He writes, believe. So what the message or John's ministry was that you will come into a relationship, you'll know the truth of who Jesus is, you'll accept the truth, you'll believe the truth, and you'll have love with God. That was his whole message. That was the apostle of love. Uh, Another interesting fact, a lot of people don't know this, but John and James were actually Jesus' first cousins. So it's funny, remember when, uh, you can find that in scripture, Salome was his mother, James and John, and the Bible refers to in the Gospels that Mary's sister was Salome, and she was married to Zebedee, which James and John were the sons of Zebedee. You might say, why do we need to know this? You have to know this because you have to see that the Bible is not just some writings It's actually an historic account of people's lives, how they responded. You know what the Bible actually tells us in the Gospels? After Jesus rose again, people saw Jesus, yet some of them still didn't believe he was God. Now, if it was a bunch of people trying to write the best information of like, oh, we just tell the good things, like an infomercial, but wait, there's more. There's nothing wrong with this product. For 1995, this product will solve all your needs. The Bible doesn't do that because it's an accurate historical account of how people responded to Jesus. And Jesus sent his disciples into the world to make disciples so that we could decide what are we going to do with Jesus? Who is Jesus to us? And that's the question that Jesus wants answered. That's the question your faith is with when you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Over 90% of the writing in John's gospel is completely, completely unique to John. It's not in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. It's completely unique to John. John does not sit there and address the birth of Jesus. He does not address the early life of Jesus. He does not address the temptation of Jesus. He does not address or write about the parables of Jesus. He does not sit there and write about in the garden. He does not write about the, the death of Jesus or the, the temptation, the trial of Jesus in the garden. And he does not write about Jesus' ascension into heaven. 
His perspective is completely unique to him. He came with a different thing. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, those are synoptic gospels. They're a synopsis of Jesus' life, his parables, his earthly teaching, and a historic account of his life. John came from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to give the heavenly account of who Jesus is. That Jesus is the Word of God, and He is God. So what I'm going to do today, I'm going to show in some scripture, and we're going to get this thing started. Jesus Christ is equal with God. He was not somebody who was created. He's not the... uh, the highest created being from God. He is literally equal with God. He has coexistence with God. He is equal with God. And that's what John's trying to say and what he's conveying in the, uh, in the scripture. The message of John is that the eternal God, the creator, has put on his creation that Jesus was truly God who became man. He was not a man who became God. He is not created. He is nothing other than God Almighty. Equal with God, but distinct with God. He is not to where God has three different personalities. A lot of people, there's about 25 million people in the world that believe that God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the same person. They are not. And I'm going to show you in Scripture. They are not. They are one God in three distinct persons. They are different. It's called the Trinity. It's a unique thing. It's an amazing thing. Um, I'm just going to uh, say something here. There's different titles given to Jesus or titles that were given to Jesus that were only given to God that John literally came to address that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, Both Jesus and God are referred to as um, shepherd. Both are referred to as judge. Both are referred to as the Holy One. Both are referred to as the first and the last. Both are referred to as the light. Both are referred to as Savior. Both are referred to as Mighty God. Both are referred to as Lord of hosts. Both are referred to as Alpha and Omega. Both are referred to as Lord of glory. Both are referred to as Redeemer. Jesus did the works that only God could do. He raised the dead. He had transformation power. He also forgave sin. When when the friends came and they wanted their friend who was paralyzed to be healed, they lowered him through the roof. And Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven you. He did things that were only reserved for God. Jesus was not a man. He was truly God who put on his creation to come and save us from ourselves. You might say, well, there's a lot of information. I got to share this with you, and then we're going to jump in. Are you guys ready for this? He also, uh, he also received worship. He did not tell people not to worship him. You know, when John got the revelation of Jesus Christ, John went and bowed down to an angel, and the angel said, whoa, you can't worship me. I'm just a created being. But when people came to worship Jesus when he was on the earth, he received it. You know why? He is God. He didn't say, whoa, don't worship me. He said, yeah, you worship me. That's the right thing. When we worship Jesus and we look at Jesus as he is, 
That is how you can truly have salvation. You cannot have salvation in any other way but believing that God with us, Emmanuel, God with us, came to pay the price for our sins. A price that only God himself could pay. That God sent his son Jesus. John's book is a salvation. It's an evangelistic book. It is literally how we can be saved. Uh, I'm going to share with you a scripture real fast. Um, Let me see this. Matthew chapter 16. You guys ready for this? Matthew 16, 13 through 17. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said to him, Now listen, this is where we're going to really dive in here. They said to him, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Now what Jesus is asking, he's fishing. None of them, none of the disciples at this point have answered, you're the son of God. He was a man to them. Now listen to what Peter said. And he said to him, verse 15, but who do you say that I am? Who am I to you? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of what? The living God. What did Jesus say? Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Now he's emphatic. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Think about this. Did Jesus tell any of the disciples those people are blessed because they think I'm a man? Did he say those people are blessed because they think I'm a prophet? But he said, Simon, you're blessed by my Father because my Father revealed to you who I truly am. Think about this. Jesus Christ is the eternal God who put on flesh and the Creator actually stepped into His creation. Colossians 2.9, it says, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Think about this. In Jesus... John came to declare to us that in Jesus, or Jesus Christ, is from eternity past, he is the eternal God. You might say, why are you talking about this so much? Because we cannot do what we're called to do unless we know who our Savior truly is. He was not a man. He was truly God and truly man. He was 100% God and he was 100% man. He did not come to do things just as a man. He was God who became man to pay the price for man, to pay for our sin. And unless we rely on who Jesus said he was, we can never know God the way that he wanted us to know him. Jesus told Peter, you're blessed because you know I'm the son of God. How many people acknowledge Jesus in their life? Well, he's a great teacher. Is he God? Well, I don't know if he's God. That's crazy. Jesus was either a madman and a liar or it was God. And you know what he told the Pharisees? You should believe that I am who I say I am for the works themselves. Nobody's like me. No prophet, no nobody 
was ever like Jesus. Nobody ever walked on water. Nobody ever turned five loaves and two fish and fed 15,000 people on more than one time. Nobody ever had commandment or, or power over the demons. To where Jesus walked up and he stepped foot on the ground and all of a sudden demons, a man who was demon-possessed, ran to him, cried out, who was strong enough to break chains, who would torment the town. They ran up to him and they said, Jesus, they bowed down. Now these are demons. They bowed down to him and said, have you come to torment us before the time? Jesus knew he was God. The demons knew he was God. Do you know he's God? That is the question that Jesus is asking. In John's first account, in John 1.1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Now, it's so interesting. John doesn't do, in the beginning, God created and had Adam, and he doesn't do this genealogy. He does this heavenly perspective. He says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. I'm going to say it again. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God in the beginning. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is God. What I'm going to show you there, there's three things I'm going to show you today, and then we're going to be done. You guys ready for this? Jesus coexisted coexisted with God. I have to say that five times. And he pre-existed with God. And he self-existed as God. Those three things I'm going to show you in the scripture today. The word, word, in the beginning was the word, literally is the Greek word logos, or logos. And what it actually is, it's a philosophical thing that John came to address the people the Greeks had a philosophical teaching or belief that the Word was this source of creation, but was very apart and away with creation. It was outside force. And it's very similar to what Paul did for the statue of the unknown God. And John came and said, in the beginning was the Word. So when he's writing to Greek people, the Greek people are like, yes, we know the Word. This Word, this organizer of creation that's either this uh, abstract god or the nature itself we don't know what it is and that's why the scripture talks about how nature itself bears witness of a creator and the philosophical belief of a lot of the greeks was that the word not the word of god but the logos was the source of creation so literally john writes his gospel in the beginning was the word so all these Greeks that would have read it would have been like, the Word. Philosophically, all right, we know this. This guy's kind of cool. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, but the Word was God. So there's a distinction that the Word is not just something that God says, that the Word itself literally is God. And it also is God, but it was with God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
It literally, this philosophical thing. So when he said logos, in the, the Jewish person would have known this because the Jews believed that the word of God came to reveal the very nature of God. So the word of the Lord came to him saying, the word of the Lord came to him saying, the Old Testament prophets would say the word of the Lord came. So the Old Testament prophets and the Jewish people would have known the word of the Lord is God. But then the Greeks also identified this word or this logos as this, uh, this being or abstract thing of creation. And John said, no, this thing that you think is far away is a, actually a person. And in John 1.14, it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So this logos, this, this power, this, this power of creation was the person, it was the word, and it came to create. And John's distinction is that I'm here to show you that God is personal. It's not impersonal. The, the logos, the word is not this impersonal thing. How many guys have ever talked to people and they believe, yeah, if there is a God, he, why would he care about me? Do you know that there's hundreds of miles, thousands of miles of nerves in our body? Do you know that in about 11 miles, we can go into space? We can start seeing the stars in space? 11 miles up. But each individual person has thousands of miles. What God's showing us is that, yes, you need this force of creation, this word, this logos, this power of God to fine-tune you and I so much that we could experience creation. That this impersonal, what you think is impersonal, that why would a God that created a universe so big care about what I do? We needed a God that big who created the universe to be able to create people like us. We need a God that big. And that's what John says. He's like the logos, the word, came and the word is personal. When Jesus said, who do men say that I am? God himself was saying, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the son of God. You are equal to God. You are distinct from God. He didn't say you're God that's come. He said you're the son of God. There's a distinction. You are equal to God, distinct of God, but you are yourself God. Jesus pre-existed in the beginning. What does that mean? In the beginning, the word was the word. What does that mean? That everything that existed, he's before Jesus is not a part of creation. He is the instrument of creation. He is distinct. In the beginning was the Word. Before God created anything else, in the beginning was the Word. And that Word was with God, and that Word was God. And that Word is asking you today, who am I to you? And what I mean by that is that this logos, this philosophical question that John's addressing, he's putting a face to the creation. And Jesus says that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus himself is the express image of God. He is the, the, the full head of the Godhead. The fullness of the Godhead exists in him bodily. That the word of the Lord, the New Testament is distinct from the Old Testament, and this is why. The Old Testament, the word of the Lord came through prophets. The New Testament, the word, the logos, the person of God put on creation and dressed, addressed intimately with his creation. 
To where it wasn't prophets that are saying, thus saith the Lord. It was the Lord saying, this is what I've come to tell you. It's distinct. The Gospel of John, they refer to it as the Holy of Holies of all the Scripture. Because it's literally the person of God, the nature of God, Jesus Christ coming. And you see specifically in John 17 of the relationship that the Son has with the Father. That he prays to him. He talks about the glory that I had before. I'm going to have it again. And you see this intricate working of everything in the Trinity. And you see that in Genesis that the Spirit was hovering over the waters. You see that the God the Father is the Creator. The Son is the Word or the agent of creation. And the Holy Spirit makes sure and animates the creation. He puts shape to it. So look at it this way to simplify. This is how I have to look at it because I'm not that smart. God is the architect of creation, the Father. And the architect of creation literally came and only was able to create through his son, Jesus Christ. So picture God, the architect. Jesus is all the material. The Bible says the word of God is the power of God. All the power of God is in the word. And the Holy Spirit puts shape to the creation. He's the contractor. He sees the plans, he sees the materials, and he makes it happen. And that's why you have one God existing in three persons. Three distinct roles. Three distinct things. But the word of God came to be personal. And God did not send his son to have an impersonal relationship with us that we could go to church once a month, once a year, or when sometimes we feel like it because, man, it's been bad. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of times pastors, we don't feel like going to church either, people. You want to know the secret? All of us don't want to go to church all the time. But when you have the right perspective, who is God? Jesus is God himself coming, saying, who am I to you? Jesus, God in the flesh, said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Jesus said that. You might say, well, I love God differently than you do. Like, listen, I love God the way God says, I know you love me if you do this. It's like my wife. My wife knows I love her when I do things for her. When I don't do things for my wife, she's like, do you really love me? I'm like, babe, I love you in my own way. Come on, guys. Does that work? How is that going to work for an eternal creator? God, I love you in my way. You know what God says? It's not about you, it's about me. Do you, see, do you see the importance of how we look at God? I am taking way too much time. There's a scripture in the Old Testament, you literally see the word of God, and it's in Proverbs. And Proverbs, literally, I want to show you the pre-existence of Jesus in... Uh, Proverbs 8.27, it says, God the Father is creator, and the Word was with him. The Holy Spirit moves in creation and puts, oh, you know, I did that wrong. I wrote that down wrong. Hang on one second. Proverbs 8.27 through 31. It says, when he established the heavens, think about this. I want you to, all right, you got it. When he established the heavens, I was there. 
Listen to this. Read it with me. When he set a circle upon, what? Upon the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above, when the fountains of the deep became strong, when he gave to the sea its bound, that the water should not transgress his commandment, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then, what does it say? Then I was by him as a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Saying he existed before him. So many people talk about, oh God, you can't tell that there's a trinity in the Bible. Yeah, you can. See it right here. I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his, inhab- in his habitable earth. And my delight, my delight, was with the Son of Men. Jesus is the agent whom God creates. Everything came by him, for him, through him. Okay, right here. You guys ready? You guys got to rush through this. You guys getting this? So Jesus had pre-existence with God. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days he spoke to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also... What does it say right here? It says, through whom also... He created the world. God created the world through the Word. The Word became flesh in John 1 14 and dwelt among us. You guys getting this? Through whom also He created the world. What does it say? The next one it says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the what? Word of His power after making. Read it, guys. Read it with me. We're going to do something. First. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's go back a verse. Verse 3. It says he upholds the universe by the what? Word of his power. Jesus upholds his creation. God used... Jesus to create the world, create the universe, and Jesus himself upholds the universe he created. You guys seeing this? Man, this gets me excited. I'm going to keep going. Have, all right, let's go to the next scripture. Hebrews 1.8, But as of the Son, he says, Your throne, what? O God, is forever and ever. The scepter, this is God the Father talking to the Son. Your throne, but of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of what? Your kingdom. Verse 9, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness. Right there we see God the Son and God the Father. They're talking. You know, when God looks at Jesus, he doesn't look at, Oh, Jesus. No, he says, God. It is equal conversation. When I talk to my wife, it is equal conversation. When my kids know if mommy says something or daddy says something, it's as if both of us are saying something. There is equal. God talks to Jesus and says, you God. He addresses God the Father, recognizes and addresses Jesus as God. I've anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And the Lord, you Lord, this is God talking to Jesus again. 
You, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. Jesus was the master worker, God the creator, the designer. This is the way it's going to be. He goes, Jesus like, man, they marvel at each other. Jesus marvels at the plan that God has. This is your plan of creation. This is why Adams do this. This is course. This is everything. Jesus delighting in it. And God the Father is amazing, gives Jesus all the glory. He's like, I can do this because you. Because the Word of God, He created all things by Him, through Him. Let's go to the next verse. You guys are quiet. They will perish but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years have no end. Woo! Proverbs 8. I just need to show you guys this in Scripture. When he established the heavens, I know we're doing that again. I was there. He's before creation. It doesn't say, in the beginning, God created the Word. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. I've shown you in Scripture that God literally refers to the writers in the Old Testament are just writing from the Word of the Lord, the Revealer. Jesus revealed His nature to the world, to the prophets. He revealed His nature. Do you guys realize that unless we know Jesus as God, we can never truly accept the price that was paid by God. Because a man couldn't pay the price for our sins. It had to be somebody so perfect. That's why when God looks at Jesus in the midst of your sin and my sin, Jesus' death was better quality than all of our sins combined. God doesn't want to look at you. He wants to look at Christ, and he wants to look at you in Christ. Those of us that think, well, I'm a good person. Shoot, you could be better than me. But you're terrible by your own standard. No one in here lives by their own standard, much less God's standard. That's why God says, Jesus says this in John 3, it's not my notes. He said, you guys were condemned already. I didn't come to condemn the world. You guys were condemned already. It's nothing new like, oh, we're not perfect. So you know what we do? We take godly terms and we dumb them down for us. In godly terms, you know in the, the Bible, the word good was only reserved for God. Nobody was good. It was only reserved for God. But you know that God literally is good. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it was good. And everything, you look at Genesis and it was good. And God gave Adam a wife, and it was good. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. I marvel. I get to explore God's creation. Yeah, I got to be careful. If you don't see me next week, you know why. Why? I get to marvel at God's work and His creation. Why? Because God is good. Now we say, oh, they're such good people. We talk to people like, oh, they're just good old people. There's nobody good. We perpetuate the lie and the delusion. None of you in here, I know all of you have thoughts that you don't want anybody knowing. And you're probably ashamed that you know your own thoughts sometimes. Right? 
Yeah, let's be honest. They'd be like, no. I'm like, oh, you're just lying. It's okay. I dealt with that before too. Jesus coexisted with God. Jesus literally, in John 8, Jesus referred to himself as I am. He referred to himself as the present continuous constant. Literally, he referred to himself as a name only God did. When God told Moses, Moses like, who, who, who do I say sent me? He goes, tell him I am sent you. What does that mean to us? Like, I am, I am what? <laughs> What's your pronoun? <laughs> or laugh, but we got to talk about this stuff now. You know what God says? I am the self-existing one that exists by my own pleasure and will. It's the aseity of God. I exist at my own will to do my will. We can't comprehend it. You know why? Because we start and we finish. Even the Energizer Bunny, you know, he's going to die one day. I've been seeing that commercial for years, and I use Energizer batteries. They die. But what do we do? Everything with us is start and finish, and then Jesus, the Logos, the Word of God comes and says, I had no start. I've always been. I didn't have a starting point. I gave you a starting point. All that exists, exists by me. I even uphold it. Don't shout me down now. Hebrews 1.8. Oh, we already read that. Second thing I want to prove to you, the coexistence with God. He was in the beginning with God. It literally, uh, the Greek word is theos ha lagos. God was the Word. He's distinct from God. He has coexistence with God. He has preexistence with God. He has coexistence with God. The last thing I want to prove to you is that he's self-existent. In John 17, 5 of the coexistence, literally the Greek word there is cross-tantheon, equal to or level with God. When people sit there and say, Jesus never said he was God. If you read the Bible, he said he was God often. So many people are like, well, those are his disciples that added that later. You know, before Jesus came, there was 400 years that God had not spoken to the children of Israel through a prophet. There was no miracles. There was nothing. Then John the Baptist comes on the scene. And John the Baptist starts baptizing people, tell them, repent. Turn away from your sin, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why is the kingdom of heaven at hand? Because anywhere the king of kings goes, his kingdom is at hand. Jesus literally came. So John the Baptist, and it's weird, John the Baptist, Jesus said, was the greatest man in all the earth. No man is better than John the Baptist. It's a title reserved just for him. Yet John the Baptist said, somebody is so much greater John the Baptist refers to Jesus. He said, I came before him. He comes after me. Talking about Jesus was born six months after him, but he came before me. John the Baptist knew that Jesus existed as God before him. And he said, I'm not even worthy enough to touch his sandals. Now, isn't it interesting that John the Baptist said that? How many of you guys have grown up in church? You guys remember the story of Moses? Moses sees the fiery bush burning, and 
What does God say through the bush to Moses? Take your sandals off because this is holy ground. John the Baptist says, I can't even touch this guy's sandal because this is God. This is the person of God, the full image of God. This is the express full image, the deity of God. Jesus coexisted, preexisted, he coexisted. The self-existence, John 1, 3 through 4, it says, All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Listen to what it's saying. In him was life. The life that we all experience is from Jesus Christ himself. All that was created was created. What does it say? In him was life. It says him. All things were made through him, and without him, not anything made that was made. So let me say this. Some people still have a hard time believing that Jesus is equal to God or preexisted. The Bible says that everything that's made was what? It says all things that were made through him. So God couldn't have created Jesus if Jesus wasn't there. Do you see what that's saying? All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 4, in him was life. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and for whom we exist. We exist for the glory of the Father. But what does it say right here? And one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things, and through whom we exist. All creation is made to the glory of God the Father. All of creation that was made was made through Jesus Christ. We exist for God's glory. We exist through Jesus Christ. And it's not talking about, oh, well, if you believe unbelievers and believers. No, it's talking about creation itself exists. You guys getting this? I'm Russian, I know. John 1, 5, it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Every encounter Jesus had with the devil and demons, he was superior. I said in the beginning that the demons came and bowed down. They said, if you come to torment us before the time, they were terrified of him because he was God. And no longer God sitting on the throne. He was literally God walking on the ground that they were tormenting the people that he created. Imagine being scared. I'd be terrified. And they were. They said, have you come to torment us before the time? Because God was walking. You guys get this? Jesus, uh, every encounter, Jesus won. In John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And here's the interesting thing. Jesus talks about himself being a door. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. So he said, literally, listen to what Jesus said. And you can see it in the other scriptures. I'm running out of time, and I apologize. I have the next few weeks to get better. Jesus, the only way for us to get to God is through Jesus. And it's consistent through eternity past. The only way God was able to make anything was through Jesus. So the only way for God to make creation or have planned, have a design or have an actual creation to his plan and design was through Jesus. 
The only way is that Jesus is the door, literally. He's the force of creation. Not only can you exist by me, through me, but you can't get to my Father except through me. The Father, the Creator, cannot create anything but by me, and you cannot get to the Father but by me. It's consistent. That's why God had to send Jesus, the Creator, the one who upholds things, sustains things. It's in Scripture. You guys getting it? John, uh, John 10, 7. We're going to get very close. So Jesus again said, And truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Verse 9, it says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Verse 10, here's the distinction from Jesus and the thief. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have what? Life. Why? Because life was in him. All the life of the universe is in him. That's why when people are dead, Jesus is like, oh, she's just sleeping. Like, you're, you're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Like, you don't know who I am. Everything that exists, exists by me and through me for the glory of my Father. That's why Jesus said, girl, you're sleeping. He could have brought a rock to life. And be like, oh. now, he's God. The life of God, the preexistent life was in him. I have come to him, I have life, and have it abundantly. Luke 22:53. this is amazing. I want you guys to know this, and then we're going to close with this. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, literally said this. And I want you to know this. The devil's greatest moment and greatest shot at doing anything to Jesus was thwarted. Jesus said this, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. Jesus says he's walking chained by those Roman soldiers to go to be tried and executed. You know what he said? All right, devil, this is the most power you're ever going to have. And what do we know what happened on the cross? It is finished. And the ground shook because all the power that the devil had against the life, against God, against who God is, the word, the logos, literally was futile in its attempt. And that's why Jesus came to give us life. So I want you to know that Jesus has self-existence, he's coexistence, and he's pre-existence, that he himself is the word. We only got through a few verses in John today, but I want you guys to know that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was personal. If everyone could bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to give everybody the opportunity right now to accept Jesus Christ, the Logos, the person, the Word of God, accept Him as your Lord and Savior. You may say, well, I don't do religious stuff. I'm like, mm, I don't really care what you do. You just now have to respond to who Jesus is. Do you believe in your heart through the conviction of the Holy Spirit that He is the life? And that he can give you life, the eternal life, or you not. This is an opportunity for everyone who heard the gospel today. The truth of Jesus Christ, who he is, that he is the word of God. And you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But God himself came down and put on flesh. And you the opportunity.
confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you shall be saved. So we're going to do right now. Now repeat after me. I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth. Jesus Christ is Lord. You are saved. That's it. That's it. Amen. This is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook. Thank you.